0: If you are interested in not paying full price for your supplements, then head on over to mountainops.com and use the coupon code TAG10 at checkout and that will get you 10% off your Mountain Ops purchase. That's tag 10 for 10% off. Also, if you would like some free Maven swag with your binocular or optics order, go on over to mavenbuilt.com. They sell really kick-ass, fully customizable binoculars, and they are awesome. I've been using them for about two years now. They're fantastic. Head on over, use the coupon code GIFT at checkout, and that will get you some free swag with your order. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less traveled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination, Then, you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome one and all to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley. And today on the show, we have Chris Fry of MDTS Training, which Chris is a fellow resident here of Central New York, but... He teaches all over the country. He's a phenomenal instructor. I've had the privilege of knowing Chris for a while. He's helped me with some archery things when it comes to competitive shooting, mindset, movement. And I've had the privilege of taking some of his shotgun courses. And I can tell you that he is a master of his craft. A little aside here, I actually got a message from a fellow student who took the class and has taken far more classes than I have. And that he said that Chris is for sure, if not the best, one of the best shotgun coaches in the country. So that's a little background about what he does. But Chris, in your own words, tell us about your journey from just being a regular guy to going and deciding I'm not only going to become very adept at all these different disciplines, but I'm going to start to coach other people on these disciplines.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me. First of all, Will. Um, yeah, regular guy. That's that's uh, that's pretty much sums it up. I uh, I grew up, um, you know, in upstate New York and uh, did martial arts when I was a kid and, and always gravitated towards that kind of stuff and uh, had some incidents where I was um, assaulted and and you know uh, realized real quickly that a lot of the stuff that uh, I had been taught uh, wasn't really um, functional when it came to uh, personal protection so um, again having a big interest in that you know subject matter and after those incidents I uh, I took it upon myself to kind of study that stuff as much as I could and um, you know I got out of college and early a little bit early and uh, spent my time going around the country and training in different disciplines Um from different martial arts like uh you know filipino martial arts you know edge weapons impact weapons to uh, a little bit of jujitsu and and uh, muay thai and and a karate all through my childhood and then you know in the 90s early 90s i started looking into firearms after i had been uh, assaulted and, and actually stabbed uh by an in- individual in one incident so after that happened uh i uh you know spent that time training in firearms i wanted to keep people away from me i didn't want people to get uh Get close to me anymore. So um, I'd grown up shooting and hunting with my, uh, hunting a little with my uh, father and my brothers and, and uh, had guns, owned guns, but wasn't really, uh, didn't carry them. You know, I could, but I didn't. And uh, so, you know, that's what I did. And um, that led me into, you know, shotgun and carbine and uh, a little bit of sub gun work and, you know, low light uh, work with the firearms and uh, some tactics and uh, just kind of, you know, that that's that became my hobby, my, my passion. And, uh, I did this, you know, i I'd still do this today, but I, I try to you know, train every opportunity I get. I still do martial arts. I still, uh, go to different gun schools and classes around the country, you know, two, three times a year. And, and I'm, you know, fortunate, uh, to have a lot of good friends in the industry that I train with, you know, uh, whenever we get together. So, uh, it's just kind of one of those things. And, like anything, if you're going to do it, I feel that, uh, you know, if you don't put a hundred percent into it, um, you know, why do it? You know, I, 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 time is pretty important to me. So, uh, time management and placing an emphasis on, uh, uh, getting the best bang for my buck is what I've always kind of, you know, looked at and I carry that into my classes for my clients.
0: I had a friend of mine when I told him I was doing this say, and he carries a firearm and he's, I said, you know, you should you should think about checking out these classes. I think for what you do and for the fact that you're carrying a firearm, you'd find this really helpful. And he said to me, you know, I really don't like those EDC kind of guys. (laughs) And I thought, one, that's an asinine thing to say. But two, I thought when I think of Chris, I don't think of, a what maybe some people would say a stereotypical tactical guy would be. You're not out there, you know, puffing your chest, trying to be the manliest motherfucker on the block, and, you know, waving this kind of aggressive flag in people's face, shall yeah. we say? Yeah. I remember very distinctly at the end of one of your classes you say, I try to make minimize my ego and make it a non issue when coaching well paraphrasing but make it not come into my teaching and i think that gets in a lot of people's ways and i think that turns obviously people off but explain a little bit how you feel that ego affects your coaching or training or even people's learning
1: process I I think it's huge. I think it's I, I'm not gonna say everything, but um, it's a lot. You know, I, I I've been to a lot of training with a lot of different people and a lot of different subjects, from you know from martial arts to you know sales and marketing and and you know running a business and and uh, the gun in the gun industry and and you know it's it's weird this industry that, that I'm in. You know, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the gun industry or the defense industry or whatever. You know, pers- I just look at it as personal protection for people you're absolutely right there's it's very ego driven we see i see a lot of people who who invest a lot of who they are into this and some of the those individuals rightfully so because they've served our country and they're they're, they're studs you know they, they they should they they have a right to do that but the vast majority of dudes uh that do this are kind of doing it uh, because they want to be quote unquote the the instructor you know they want to be the guy known as the gun guy or whatever and they're the guys that run around and you know looking tactical and they're that edc guy that your your friend kind of doesn't you know doesn't want to gravitate towards and you know i I understand where he's coming from i uh, again you know we started this podcast off with you know the phrase regular guy and i i I just want to blend in man i i I don't want people to notice me i mean i look at self-protection and 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 protecting my family as you know a very last resort there's a lot of stuff i can do before going to a gun or a knife or you know whatever and so uh one of those biggest things is to just kind of you know be, be 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 that uh that guy that nobody really notices and you know um Wearing all that stuff, wearing a gun shirt around and wearing, you know, the the typical, you know, um, the clips knife in my pocket, you know, three or four knives mm-hmm. on me and, and looking tactical is, is not doesn't fit my personality and it doesn't fit mm-hmm. my my goals and with all this, you know, so but going back to your question, you know, ego. Ego is a good thing in some ways, in very small ways, but I believe a, a more important word that needs a lot of people, a lot of people need to study and understand and integrate into their lives is the word humility. And uh, you know, I know a lot of guys and girls that are just complete badasses. But here's here's a piece of a little piece of advice I learned a long time ago. Um, anybody can have their ass kicked at any time. I don't care who you are. And, uh, you know, I've had my, my ass beat a bunch of times and, and yeah, there's no place for ego because if you understand that I could walk out of here and get hit by a car, what, what good is it that, you know, I'm, I'm all tactical and I'm, you know, I'm the instructor, you know? So I, I try to carry that into my classes and just, you know, get, give people the impression that I'm just like them. I just happen to be a coach and I just happen to be, uh, you know, I, I've got a, a lot of, experience coaching people you know I've, I've, I've had 20 some thousand people come just through my gun classes in in the last 20 years i've been doing this for about 20 years next year and uh, that's all that's that's a lot of people to have seen do this and coach uh, over the years and so you know i bring that experience to, to my classes and then i bring the just the fact that i'm just like you i just happen to do this for for a living you know
0: and i think that really having taken your classes translates over well because if you're in the mindset of the everyday person and you're coaching the everyday person chances are you're going to be able to relate and download the knowledge you have you know into their brain a lot faster
1: yeah you know and and real quick as an aside you know i i've identified like three markets you know when it comes to what i do we we have the guys that are that are really really like into this stuff you know they 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 they're like me they are you know they they're the what i would call practitioner you know i look at myself as just a practitioner of the arts first and foremost i'm a student you know and and, and there there are is a good percentage of dudes like me out there that that dedicate a a lot of their personal time and money to studying this stuff and then the second group are the people that kind of consider themselves practitioners but they're more followers you know they they're the ones that uh, they gravitate towards certain personalities you know in in any industry and in, in, in the gun industry and in what in the industry that I'm in and they go to classes to kind of be near that and that cool instructor and that that's cool you know if that's what you want to do I mean I listen I there's people I look up to you know, in life, it's good for us to have heroes, you know, and but really the biggest part of the whole market is the everyday person. The guy that I'm standing next to in Walmart and strike up a conversation mm-hmm. with because, you know, we happen to be we happen to have, you know, uh, a, a quiver of arrows that we're buying to go hunting this weekend. And we start talking about archery or we start talking about, oh, you got a box of nine millimeter. I got you know, I'm, I'm shooting this weekend, too. What are you shooting? You know, th- that's the dude or dude at or girl that I'm I'm really interested in getting into my classes because. Um, I, I really don't, I, I don't, when you come to my classes, I, I care about you learning. I care about you walking out of the class and being able to do what we talked about and, and, and worked on. And more importantly, I want, I, I care more about you having a bigger, a wider open vision of the world and, and what you actually really need, <clears throat> pardon me, to protect yourself and, and the people that you love. And, uh, so I'm not really Overly concerned with people that are, you know, fans. I'm not really over concerned with uh, the the practitioner types because, you know, they're a lot of those guys are my peers anyway. You know, um, so um, you know that's that's what I try to try to market to. And and um, like you said, I I find and I get a lot of feedback that people really appreciate that. You know, so it seems to be working. And that's
0: one thing I think you don't see enough coaches maybe thinking about themselves when they're coaching is. Do you want to be the guide on the side, or do you want to be the sage on the stage? Yep, yep. You know, are you trying to get a cult of personality and followers, or are you trying to get a class full of students? Yeah, it
1: goes back to that ego, right? Uh, it's not about me; it's about you as the student. You're, you're coming to me for a service, and I'm here to provide you the service. And that's all. I, mean, I don't. You know whether you like me or not is irrelevant. I mean, it's nice, you know, that we be, I become acquaintances or friends with people that come to my classes. But really, again, what I concern myself with is that you learn, and uh, and it's not a it's the it's not a Chris Fry show. It is, you know, hey, you're here at an MDTs class, and I'm going to do the very best I can to provide you with the knowledge and skills that we outlined in the class description, and uh, and I want you when you leave to be able to you know perform those skills and have that knowledge and uh, that that's what I concern myself with but you're i see exactly what you're talking about in a lot of cases over the years you know i've been to a ton of classes where it's about the instructor you know and 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 it's like his little stage and he's got a captive audience for you know, five hours, four hours, or eight hours, and it's just you know it's painful. Uh, but you you know you live and you learn. I um, I tell people all the time you don't know good training till you've had bad training. You don't know bad training till you've had good training. And we, uh, my business in particular, I see a ton of people come back over and over and over again for for my classes, the same class. They'll come and repeat it over and over again because they enjoyed themselves, they got something from it, and they, in the interim, I tell people at the end of class. I think I told you at the end of your class. Go, what you know when you leave here today practice and keep training train with me train with anybody you can because you know you're always going to be able to pick up something from somebody and again i try to disengage my ego and think about you as the client as the student and what's best for you well if you can go to so and so down the street and get a new technique or a new skill or whatever why would i be jealous of that You, you know what i mean why would i be upset about that i i care about your safety i care about your skills and I care about you improving, and so to say, don't go train with so and so, or don't do this is is that's ego, right? Uh, and I'm not really, you know, that doesn't bother me, and because we see people go and train with other people, and they 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 always come back to us.
0: Yeah, we had guys when you're they were telling me, oh, I've taken this class like. <laughs> nine times I think somebody said you know I've been here I've taken you know shotgun one five times I've taken shotgun two three times there was a lot of guys who this this was not their first class with you I think I was probably the person who at two classes in had definitely taken the least amount of training with you yeah
1: yeah well we also I try to design the classes in a way that at the end of the class, you know, I think I asked you guys this in the debrief, you know, did you master what we did today? And, you know, it's, you're, you're with us, you're, we're together on the range for eight hours. It's like going to an event anywhere. You got to be really astute. You, you got to be, you got to be that, that guy who dedicates or girl who dedicates a lot of practice time to, to really being able to master those skills. So we see a lot of people that still practice and, and do that, but they come back to the same class because they, it was challenging to them. And Mm -hmm. you know what? The human animal is, performs best when they're challenged. You, yes. know, you you look at CrossFit, you look at, you know, some of this other stuff that you and I are interested in, archery. Uh, you don't learn from something being easy. You learn from from pressure. You learn from, uh, you know, being challenged. You know, it's like I did a, a seminar yesterday, um, a jujitsu seminar with a guy, with my, my my instructor, Len Sonia, at Dojo One in New Hartford. And then he hosted a guy from Rochester and it was a fantastic seminar. And one of the, the best parts of a seminar is this guy was talking about resistance and pressure and being challenged and it being hard and it not everybody being able to do it well how do we get better how do we how do we improve we improve through through challenge you know we improve through failure we improve for through doing something and not being able to accomplish it to our desired uh level and then saying and then having the uh the self-awareness enough to say i need to go do that again and that's the real challenge, and that's where the ego comes back in, in the sense of oh, there are some guys that I know that do something one time, and they think, oh, I got this. I know this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and uh, I, you know, I've never been that type of person. You know, I, I need to do something over and over until I truly feel like I got it, you know. And, and so like we talked about in the gun class, you know, it doesn't matter what you can do in one specific drill. What matters is what you can do cold, on demand, anywhere, anytime. What your it,
0: muscle memory can recruit. Yeah. To yeah. do it without thinking about it, right. right? And and that's an interesting thing. And I I wanted to touch on the ego, but then I'm going to go down this road for a little bit. And that is when we first met, and we were working on archery movement, and you know, speed loading arrows. One of the things you said is, don't worry about going out and shooting a hundred arrows every night. Try to do five, 10, 15 minutes every night. Do these short, uh, concentrated bits of training every night, every day instead of going out, trying to get a whole bunch in, maybe missing a few days, get a whole bunch in and miss a few days. What, what led you to that style of practice? Shall we say,
1: uh, study and research. And then my own personal development, I've, I, I, you know, like everybody in today and nowadays, we're always busy, family, friends, work, this, that we're always running around, you know? And I found that, uh, studying how people learn and how people uh, get better at at physical skills, you know, doing a little bit of research and studying that stuff and, and again, studying how to coach people. I found with my own personal development, um, I kind of did a test, and and, uh, what I did is um, the only live fire I do, like, in uh, now, over really, like, the last two years, the only live fire I do is in classes.
0: Which... Sorry to cut you off there, but that just I just remembered something I was going to say, and that's about your classes and the whole not being the sage on the stage and being more of the guide on the side. Is you don't even shoot a lot in classes, you know? Some people I've taken some classes on different things where you spent a lot of time watching them do the thing, and it's like in your class, we shot like 300 well over. 300 rounds of ammo. And we spent probably, I would say 95% of the time shooting or practicing what it was you were teaching us, not watching you do it. We might've seen you run through a drill once or twice, but then it was on us to get after it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not about me. And, and with, but with that being said, I did demo every drill, almost every single drill, unless it was a drill that I, you needed to figure out on your own. It was a challenge, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, going back to what we were saying, the uh, you know, some classes I shoot 150, 200 rounds. Other classes I shoot 50 rounds, you know. But but the only live fire as far as firearms that I do is in classes. And that's because what I do is I do a lot of dry fire, go, you know, uh, again, coming full circle around to what you were talking about with the, the what I call the micro practice sessions. Is over the last two and a half, three years, I've just been spending probably four days a week, five days a week, I'll do... Five minutes, 10 minutes of dry fire, whether it's with the carbine, with the shotgun, with the pistol, whether it's with a a handheld flashlight and a pistol and working different skills for five or 10 minutes a day. And uh, I have seen not only maintenance of my skill, my, my current skill level, but improvement of my skill level, you know from just doing that dry fire and that it that alone now could I become even better if I were to go out and shoot thousands of live fire rounds absolutely I have friends that are phenomenal shooters you know competitive shooters and and tactical shooters uh but from my lifestyle at this point you know in where I am I don't have the time or the capability to get out and shoot that many live fire rounds because of my schedule so I do the best I can to, with my main goal being to stay proficient in all these various realms, because you know it's one thing to be okay. I'm a handgun instructor, and all I do teach is handgun. But I'm I come f- and work with a group of guys that uh, the what's called the ShivWorks Works Collective, um, and you know it's a group of six instructors, including myself. And and where the the Genesis, the the progenitor of this group is, is by a guy by the name of Craig Douglas Southnark is what he goes by on the internet. He's one of my closest mentors. And we all advocate a multidisciplinary approach to personal protection. So, we don't just feel that carrying a gun is good enough. You you have to have some type of physical skill set. You have to have some type of of verbal and software skill set. Meaning, I need to be verbally agile. You know, it, it's probably going to start off with some type of verbal confrontation before it goes to guns. You know, me being just randomly attacked by some guy with a gun could happen, but Statistically, it's more likely I'm going to be approached by some kind of parking lot asking me for change, and that turns into a robber. You you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we have to be verbally agile. That's a skill set. You know, we're talking right now, but how often do you actually talk to somebody who might mean you harm? And and what are the what are (laughs) the physical what are the physical side effects? Of that, well, we go into this, this adrenalized state, and when we're in some type of adrenalized state, we have trouble forming complex sentences. So, you know, this is all stuff that you got to be aware of, and a lot of people just don't even think about it. They just think, well, if some guy comes up to me, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. Well, they don't know what they don't know. You know, if you've never done, if you've never shot an archery competition, like you you and I were talking about earlier, you go out and shoot at a, a paper plate for, you know, 10 rounds before the competition, you're probably not going to do the best. You know, I, I commend you for trying it, but <laughs> you're probably not going to do the best. And when it comes to self-defense, you know, mediocre can mean, you know, life or death. So, um, you know, pistol, shotgun, carbine, uh, physical skills, edge weapons, low light. Um, medical skills you know there's a lot of different skills that I try to stay proficient in so five minutes a day I pick you know maybe I'm just gonna work tourniquets you know I carry a tourniquet around with me so uh, you know for me or for a loved one that might be injured in a car accident you know, I I, right. turn, I have tourniquets in my car. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not always just thinking about being attacked by people. You know, there's not ninjas everywhere. It's more It's more <laughs> no. likely It's more likely I'm going to, you know, get in a, vehic- a vehicular accident with my wife or my son. So we've got medical gear in our car. Or I carry medical gear on my person a lot. And so, you know, it's not always just me practicing shooting. It's me practicing applying a pressure dressing. It's me uh, practicing throwing a tourniquet on myself while I'm wounded or hurt, throwing a tourniquet on a loved one. Uh, it, again, low light working the pistol, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. So, you know, um, there are some people that are specialists. They're, they're shotgun. That's Mm -hmm. all they do shotgun. They're all they do is rifle. All they do is precision marksmanship. All they do is archery, you you know, and, and I, while I try to be proficient at all these little things, I don't, I'm not, I don't overly concern myself with being perfect. You know, I want to make sure I can do all of them, really really well mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah it's I look at it as a melting pot and I heard that phrase said by uh John Norris says it a lot when it comes to weightlifting he's got the same sort of thing as go take seminars with you know all the weightlifting coaches you can and you can learn from them all and take it and blend it and make your own you know melting yep. pot so it's yep. kind of like that you know <laughs> I'll call it the adventurous gentleman melting pot, you know, that's what I'm doing with my life is I want to do archery, I want to be out there canoeing, I want to do shotgun, I want to take and learn and kind of enrich my life and my experiences and all these things as much as I can. I'm not going to be, you know, a world-class archer, but I'm going to be the best I can be and really good at everything else I'm doing too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and what do we get from all this stuff? You know, as, as men, you know, you're talking about, this is the adventurous gentleman podcast, right? Yeah. What what do we get from all this as men? Well, for me, as far as the martial arts, you know, one of, one of the core things that I think every man should be able to do is fight. Yeah. (laughs) You you know, and, uh, and, and that doesn't mean I'm going out and starting fights with people. It just means that if somebody, you know tries to do something to me or one of my family members i look at it as my obligation to be able to protect myself and them and uh and i think that's something that our society in general is trying to put down it's trying to get rid of is trying to weed out of us or breed out of us and (laughs) and uh and i think that's sad because you know when it comes life in general ultimately is about violence and your ability to either use violence or prevent violence and, uh, you know, uh, we look at history and history has shown us that over and over and over and over again. So if you're a guy out there, you know, get to a jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu gi- gym, get to, you know, pull your gun out, dust it off, you know, and and, and get to a class with somebody and, and learn how to use it, learn how to protect yourself. And, you know, the the benefits of that is, number one, hopefully, maybe it'll, it'll show you you're not as tough as you think you are, you know, it's you're not as tough as you were in high school and when you were benched at 350 <laughs> and, you, you know, when you were the pro football player and, and uh, even better it'll hopefully make you kind of go, wow, you know, I'm, I'm still capable. I'm, 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 you know, I'm humble, but I'm, I'm still capable of, of uh, taking care of myself and somebody else. And I know there's dudes that might be listening to this, shaking their head going, oh, you know, I know I'm a bad mofo, you know, I can, I can do this or that, but listen, there's always somebody bigger, bigger, badder, meaner, stronger out there. And, and, uh, it's the day you run into that dude is the day that your ego gets checked for you. Yeah. I, I, I find
0: it much easier I want to be the guy they don't see coming. Yeah, comic. me too. Me, just I slide agree. on by. But if they if they <laughs> if
1: they happen to pick me, I want to uh, I want to be capable, you know. Because again, when it comes to the self defense stuff, uh, we look at violence and we look at these. What what my friend William April, who's one of the Chivorks Collective guys, uh, refers to as criminal psychology. And here first them as violent criminal actors and while getting, you know, robbed down by the mini-mart somewhere, you know, might be just some street guy, you know, that you might think is an idiot, Um, if you are selected for one of, by one of these really, really ultra-violent criminal actor dudes, or women, uh, you know, you got a problem, that those guys, those guys and girls grow up with violence every single day of their lives, and they are, they are uh, the panacea of, of violence, and they, they would, kill you uh, at the drop of a hat whereas you or I grow up in a decent family with decent friends and and the idea of using violence against somebody is something you never want to do. these guys and girls do it every day or they've experienced it every day and so to them uh, committing violence against somebody is like putting on you their socks and it's it doesn't take a second's thought and so that's that's the that's the that's the person that I'm worried about running into. That's the person I'm worried about my wife or my son running into. And uh, while there are other things I could probably focus my life on worrying about, I'm not overly worried about it. But I, you know, again, this is my hobby. This is my love, and so I, that's my. I, I don't want to use the word goal, but that's my kind of my standard. I put put it against is if I run into one of those people, you know, I want to I want to be prepared. And I think sometimes people
0: will write write someone like that off because they'll transpose their own ideals or belief onto other people. They project. So, yeah, yeah, they do. And they don't want to think that there's someone like that That's out there. Right. They're we, just really a good person. They're misunderstood.
1: You know, they they want to be nice about it. We live in our little bubble, right? We live in our little world that is, you know, I, I I've lived here for twenty years and never had anything bad happen. So, you know, one plus one equals two, right? And and so because I've lived here and in twenty years nothing's happened, nothing will ever happen. Well, that's just not true. And uh, what I tell people in classes all the time is it's it's kind of like car car accidents. You know, I don't ever I have car insurance. I don't ever plan on getting in a car accident. Not like I get up one morning and say, hey, today I'm definitely going to use my car insurance. You know, I, I'm going to get in this you know fender bender. It's one of those things that it it happens you know you you it happens to be your day and uh if it's your day when you run into one of these violent criminal actors it's going to be a bad day if you're not if you don't have certain things that you have kind of prepared yourself by by doing and studying a little bit of and it's not a lot it's not it's not something you gotta dedicate a lifetime to like i have it's it's relatively simple but um it's definitely something that i think people like car insurance it's i think it's something that people need to kind of invest a little bit in And then, you know, once you got it, you, you, you're, you know, you're more prepared than the average bear, you know? And I think
0: unfortunately, though, I'm sure we could find some statistics to back me up on this. I feel like the majority of firearm or knife owners have zero practice, zero training, zero uh, involvement other than selecting what they're going to buy and carrying it around most of the time some of the time maybe yeah why do you think that is why do you think there's such a gap between people who will own a firearm they will defend the second amendment tooth and nail especially if it's on the internet but when it comes time to actually train and put their body their money where their mouths are they don't show up
1: yeah i think um Again, ego, a little bit of ego, time, family, money, uh, other hobbies, other pursuits. But I think it's two things. I think number one is it is what we just talked about. It is they have lived their entire lives in an area of the United States where, you know, they don't have to really worry about violence. You know, they might carry their gun every now and then, but it just doesn't happen. And so because they don't really see a need for it, because they haven't experienced ever experienced violence, they... It's it's not something they consider um, now. A quick flip side to that is you, if you've ever met somebody that's been raped, or somebody that's been assaulted, or somebody that's experienced a robbery, um, you, we see a, a strong, large majority of those people that, that turn around and they start taking measures to make sure that never happens to them again. It, you know, and, it's, it's but, but but you know the thing is the thing is real quick. If that happens to you one time and you're killed. You don't get a second chance. Well, one
0: times, one too many, right? Exactly. For any of exactly. it. <laughs> I, and, and you know what? It's funny you say that because I've watched that show. I think it's American Preppers or something to that nature. And every time I would say without fail when someone's asked, why did you start this? There was a traumatic
1: incident in their life that triggered that. That's right. That's right. Um, and is that, uh, is that kind of waiting too long? Right, let's look at fitness, um, do, we, do we start working out, how many people start working out after they've been told by a doctor okay your 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 metabolic panel is like off the charts you've got yeah. you've got high cholesterol you've got high HB hb1 AC or whatever it is you know your high glucose your you, you know how many people have got they have a, a minor cardiac event and then they start to take measures to prevent themselves and that's just human nature that is okay we wait right to the last minute you know and and to do something whereas again this stuff that I try to do and promote is is like proactive fitness, you know, I'm, uh, I, again, I'm not looking to get in a fight. I'm not looking to, I don't, I don't go out and look for crime, you know, for people to come after me, but, um, I'm trying to be proactive about it. So that's number one. Number two, I think men in general, uh, and this is just ego and men in general, we're born thinking that we can do three things really well, right? We're, <laughs> we're born thinking that we can fight, we yep. can drive cars, four things, shoot guns, and then the, the last one I'll leave you to think. You make to me f- sweet, sweet make, love. Make sweet love, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know. Uh, and and in my experience, I've never been good at any of them. Yeah, you know. So so I try to again disengage that ego and uh, and and try to study and. You know, I, you wouldn't believe the number of dudes that, that I talk to that are like, well, I've I've had my pistol for 20 years. I can I know how to shoot. I can do this or that. And then they come to a, I say, okay, here here come to a class for free. Just come check it out. And they literally the very first drill we shoot. I say, okay, you got to do this. And I demo the drill, and they look at me like, I got to do what? And I'm like, you got to do that. Go go ahead, show me. You you're the one that told me that you can shoot. Well, this is this is your shooting. time to shoot. This is your time to show me. You know what you can do. And, uh, you know, there's one or two guys over the years that have been able to do it. And I've been like, awesome, you're going to do great today. And, and they become, you know, a person that I, that I've trained with or practice with, but that's one or two out of 20,000, you know, (laughs) the majority don't, aren't able to perform to standard. And so then the next question, the following question is that, well, if I can shoot this or that, that's good enough. Well, you know, what's good enough? In, in a gunfight, in, in, in a fight of, of any nature, what is good enough? Just surviving? I could be crippled and still survive. I don't want to live my life crippled. No. Right? Right. So winning is good enough. Winning, you know, making sure, again, that being able to perform on demand, cold, you know, me walking out of where we are now and in the parking lot, having to draw a gun and go to work—that's to me a standard. That—that's to me okay. Being able to say, I—you know—I'm—I'm I'm proficient, right? I hate the phrase "good enough." You're—you're you're never good enough when it comes to, you know, this kind of stuff.
0: And it's interesting because in your class, you'll also start with a bit of legal knowledge. I know for the level ones, and I remember going home. And talking to my wife about in New York State, we don't have the castle law. So we have the, we're supposed to retreat when somebody enters our home, unless yeah. circumstances, which are, can be a little gray, you know, demand that you go to uh, <clears throat> face the perpetrator. And she was just stunned. She's like, You mean if someone breaks in this home? We have to go and try to run to the back of the house and hide and hold up there or escape. And I said, yes, that's, ex- that's exactly what we do. And she's like, we can't just shoot the person. No, you can't. You can't just shoot the person. <laughs> and there's a lot of people out there, Yeah. Which, which brings me to why I would love for her to take the courses. But it there's a lot of people out there who have no idea what the law in their state is or what they're expected to do or what would they
1: do if that happened. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to think about. And uh, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I've done a decent amount of study on this subject matter. And and especially here in New York state, you know, what what our legal obligation is if we have to use force against another human being. And um, just like you said, there's a lot of people that have, they think there's certain things they can do. And, you know, based on case law, based on, on, you know, previous cases where people have done what they think, you know, this person says, it's not going to work out the way they think. And, uh, uh, I explain it to people in, in a couple of different ways, but you know, there's basically three fights. There's what we call pre-fight and that's what happens before any kind of force is used. So do you, and for an example of that is, you know, you're approached by somebody in a parking lot, you know, what pre-fight skills do you have? Do you have the ability to form a good verbal and, and, and physical boundary and keep someone out of your space? Because space is a commodity when it comes to fighting, right? If I can control space, I can keep you from getting close enough to me or whatever. And, and uh, you know, so that's a whole other talk. And then there's the fight itself. And that's what a lot of classes focus on. They focus on, okay, this is how we shoot. This is how we punch. This is how we kick. This is how we do whatever. And that's cool, right? Uh, you got to have those skills. But the post fight is something that a lot of people never consider. And that is the legal ramifications of using force against another human being. And that includes in your home and outside of your home. And like you referred to, uh, legal and emotional and social ramifications, financial ramifications. There's there's more to it than just, okay, somebody comes to my house, I shoot them, and next week I go to work. Mm, Probably not, right? You're probably going to have to talk to authorities. You might go to jail. You might have to stay in jail. You're going to have to come up with thousands of dollars to get a legal team to protect you in, in court and defend you in court. You're going to your neighbors and your community, the kids, the, the, the families who your kids play sports with, find out that you killed somebody in your home two houses down from them. Now, some dudes I've talked to have said, well, I don't care. I don't care what other people think. Well, that you might not care. Your wife does. Right. And most people, I think, in America <clears throat> statistically are living
0: one paycheck ahead. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you're not making it to work
1: for a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah. You're and is you're your hurt. is your job gonna say, Oh, you shot somebody in your home because they kicked in your front door, we're gonna give you two weeks paid paid vacation. Probably not, right? And the average cost of a of a self defense related legal process is uh two hundred thousand dollars. <gasps> okay so you look at from you know pre-trial to the trial itself to you know whether it's appeal to, you know the whole process you know and again I'm not a lawyer I'm not an expert at any of this this is just based upon my studies you know when it comes to you know these kinds of incidents and hey even if it's a, even if it's 50 grand like you just said how many people have $50,000 sitting around you know? Not um, for many. Yeah, not many. And uh and, and, and who and, wants to spend fifty thousand on that? Who want? that's fifty thousand dollars that if I had simply Thought about, had a plan, right, Will? Uh, a plan, yeah. Ha- have a plan. And and I'm actually, it's funny you brought this up because I'm working on an infographic right now based upon home defense. And that infographic is going to be something that, you know, you go to my website, you'll be able to download it and whatever. And it's basically kind of what we're talking about. And it's it's this real easy to follow plan. It's It's what we're going to call our home defense plan of action. And that is, if somebody comes in my house, I do A or B. And A or B is based upon what that person does, where my family is, whether I got a gun, you know, there's all sorts of different factors that I, but, but the the main emphasis is have a plan, right? Instead of just saying somebody comes to my house, I'm going to shoot them, which is what I hear all the time. Yep. Okay. All the time. How about you have a, 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 a good plan that protects everybody, protects yourself, not only physically, but financially and emotionally and legally. Right and, and be smart about it. You know, I I like to, I went to college, you went to college, right? A bunch of us, the the same guy that has a master's degree is the one that's telling me somebody comes to my house. I'm just going to shoot him, Right. You, you (laughs) have a master's degree. You went and you studied in a subject in, in college for six years to get a master's degree, but you're making a statement that is, is ignorant of, of, of all that is encompassed in that, you know? And so, um, like every other subject matter, you know, you need to study it. You need to kind of have a, a good grounding in it, and a basis in it. And again, you know, this is this is what we we what I do, you know. And and uh, and I've spent a significant amount of time, you know, putting my thoughts and and stuff together about this. But kind of a rambling answer there for you, but hopefully it hit. No, I think it's a great answer
0: because, and people might find this surprising, is that. I personally don't currently have a firearm in my house because I don't have a way that I feel is safe enough having a 16-month-old son around it. And we've talked about different ways to study it or different ways to set up it, and I will be shortly accomplishing that goal. But that's the reason I started taking these courses. It's because I don't want to have a weapon that I'm not proficient at handling, and I don't know what I'm doing with it. And as the shotgun is probably the most prolific piece of home self-defense technology I thought it's probably a pretty good idea yeah. to to get out there and find out how to properly use it but we did a little drill in the shotgun two course you taught where we had to go from a sleeping position travel a short distance get our guns out of storage load them and shoot them and the average burglary in a home i think you said in and out is in three minutes and it's one minute to the bedroom and i think there are some people who were really surprised how long that took and how fast a minute can go by
1: yeah and, and that was on a range with a bunch of other shooters you're all geared up you're dressed you're dressed you're it's not you're Your mind in the morning on it you're yeah exactly you're focused on the event you're focused on what you're doing it's not OK, it's, it's like, you know, you don't have to grab your corrective lenses off the, the nightstand and then do all that. And with your wife saying, yelling at you, saying, what are you doing? Why? why what, what is what was that noise? Where, where are the kids? Yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of other factors there. But yeah, you know, you again, it's it's what people think is going to happen versus what typically happens. You know, we we have preconceived notions about everything in life you know, I, Hey, when I was, when I was 17, I thought I was a stud, right. And I wasn't (laughs) a stud, you know, so it's one of those things, you know, and, and, um, you, we we watch tv you and i were talking about hollywood we watch tv and and we we see things on tv and we go oh okay that's how it happens well that's hollywood that's acting that's you know that's not real that's in, that's in hollywood people die
0: after one shot yeah, and they go halfway yeah. across the room and yeah. you know we all know from 50 cent that i can take much more than oh, one yeah. round to yeah, put the, a man down
1: the human animal is extremely resilient you know um, one of the things that i've done uh for my my you know for my career uh, other than this stuff you know basically i worked two jobs i worked in the medical field. And, and I've worked in in pathology, where we, uh, where we see people, you know, that have expired from either natural causes or wrongful deaths. And for the first five years of my career, in that I I actually helped out with autopsies. And so I, I, I got to see a lot of wrongful deaths. And, you know, it's amazing the amount of punishment people can take. And so, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, I, I'm going to just shoot them once or twice and it'll be done. Well, maybe, maybe if you're a really good shot. And this, this goes back to our discussion earlier about proficiency and about, okay, if I can, if I can hit where I want to hit, if I can hit a vital area that, that is going to have a significant effect on my threat right from the start, if I'm proficient enough to do that, then, yeah, you might only need one or two shots. But most people under stress, when they're scared, when their wife's yelling, uh, who don't practice that much, y- you know, the chances of you hitting that area that's going to have that significant effect are extremely diminished. The The military did a study, I believe it was called the RAND study. Um, I can I can uh, uh, put it on my, my Facebook page or whatever yeah, if yeah. you want it, but it's a, a PDF file. Basically, they did a study, uh, I want to say it was 2009 or something, of the U.S. military and, uh, and some of the Special Forces guys. And um, what they did is they put these guys under a bunch of different stressors and uh, saw how, how those stressors affected their ability to shoot. Now, I'll, I would say these are some of our, top, our nation's top performers when it comes to shooting, you know, because that's what they do for a living, right? They're our nation's finest warriors. And uh, these guys saw a, an average of a 30% degradation of skill under those stressors. So if, if these dudes who are our nation's top performers when it comes to that skill set, CA, 30% degradation of skill under stress. What are you and I going to say? <laughs> yeah, it's going to, I'm guessing, be a lot more than 30%. Yeah, I, I would, I would again, I don't have exact numbers, you know, because I have never replicated the study on civilians, but I, I would say from watching people shoot, I would say 50, 60, 70, 90% degradation of skill, depending upon how much you practice you know and so that means if you're holding yourself to a standard of being able to hit like we talked about with archery if you're holding yourself to a standard of being able to hit a pie plate at 10 yards you're not even on the bag <laughs> you might not even you might not even be on the target you might not even be on the silhouette under under those stressors and so these are factors that we we i integrate into my classes and and how i design my classes and why we shoot certain drills because i want people to realize Right, when you're out in a nice sunny range, you know, with your buddies shooting for the day, that's not stressful. That's not replicating the kind of things that are going to occur if you're actually being attacked in a dark parking lot, you know, by one or more individuals.
0: And even even with us there was times where we'd have to run through drills and everyone's watching you and people are behind you and you know you got to think and follow instructions and do all these things you're not yelling at us you're not making the situation extra tense but you can tell even people including myself we're shitting or we're we're shivering like dogs shitting razor blades (laughs) you know nervous trying to work the ammo trying to work the action get everything to go off and it's difficult it's more difficult than you think it's going to be and in that dire dire situation it's going to be a lot more difficult than it is and i don't think people are ready for that by any means
1: no i mean you know i'm sure there might be one or two guys out there that are you know they can rise to the occasion but again having seen a lot of people come through classes and and perform drills like what you're talking about where we put them under certain I don't need to yell at you. I don't need to make yeah. you do push-ups to stress you out. People stress themselves out. And then being watched by uh, their peers, that is stressful. And and then being able to perform some of these skills that mm-hmm. with a lethal force tool, you know, uh, in and around other people is stressful. So like you're saying, you know, it it, it it goes from zero to 60 pretty fast. And our my job is to try to get people to do that and, and be able to perform to a certain standard in a safe environment and have a good experience with it and and realize one of two things either you suck and you need to practice it more or you know what I did okay on this but I still have to practice it more right you know i mean there are drills that i shoot even oh, after having shot for my whole life pretty much i i'm constantly going back to some of these basic drills where i'm just not happy with mm-hmm. how i'm shooting the drill you know i'm not happy with drawn the gun from concealment in a certain time you you know like i i want to be able to get that gun out from under a shirt you know uh while i'm turning or while i'm taking a step left or right in less than two seconds and get a round on target you know and that's that's a rabbit that you chase you know what I mean that's something mm-hmm. that on some days you can nail it and go wow, I did really good other days it's just you like man whether it's the clothing you're wearing or whether it's you know you know whatever it is you ain't got it you're not gonna get it you know and and so that's that's you know again chasing that rabbit and, and goes back to what we spoke about earlier good enough doesn't exist when it comes to this realm uh, that we're, we're that we pursue and, and what we you know kind of gravitate towards. So one thing we talked about, or you talked
0: about in the beginning of shotgun one is how I would say, I want to use the word great because that's kind of basic, but basically that the shotgun is just an awesome home defense tool. And if you wouldn't mind just explaining why that is.
1: Uh, well, I think, um. I think it's one of uh, the one of a very very popular instructor uh by the name of clint smith and uh and i'm paraphrasing you know i'm not this isn't a direct quote from him but i remember reading or hearing him say uh if somebody's coming into your home and you have uh the choice of your pistol you know you're you're 45 or whatever you like you know what i mean your pistol and you get to to use that pistol to protect yourself. And you only get one shot, you know, because of time. Maybe the person's really close. By the time you get out of bed and grab your gun, they're at your doorway of your bedroom. And you get one shot. Do you want one shot with the pistol, whether it's the forty five or not? Or do you want one shot with a double aged or double buck mm-hmm. buckshot from a shotgun? And to me, that sums things up pretty well in the sense of with one round of double ought buck, whether it's, You know, number one or even number four where I get, you know, a number four buckshot, I'm looking at 27 to 35, you know, 23 caliber, 22 caliber pellets, lead pellets. That's a good payload. That's an ounce of lead flying at somebody, you know. Um, The shotgun is a devastating firearm. And uh, in a lot of cases, people are shot with the shotgun one time and it's over. Now, there's no guarantees of that. But pistols and even rifles, we see people getting shot multiple times before they are stopped, before they cease aggression towards. Uh, the, the the subject they were they were attacking ten, ten
0: yards away from a nine millimeter they might still be coming Ten, Eps, ten Eps. yards away from number one federal flight control double i yep. or federal flight control number one they're probably going down uh,
1: yeah again there's no guarantees <laughs> but uh, uh, you know just the the power that comes out you know um again another instructor the acoustics of mine, oh yeah the acoustics loud. of yeah. a shotgun when you're standing on these
0: lines the vibration that you can feel is much greater from the shotgun than anything
1: else yeah yeah so it's it's kind of like uh another way to look at it is you know your your handgun is um is infantry you know what I mean and and that that shotgun maybe even that or rifle which in New York is problematic now you know but um but that shotgun is artillery yeah you know I want to I want to go right to that artillery if I can and um and and again it goes back to safety and how you store it like you were saying with kids you know there's a lot there's a lot to think about there you know uh I grew up in a, in a, in a house where you know we my father had guns you know when I was a kid and we didn't you know we didn't play with them we knew about safety and and we knew but it, but my father kept guns around and and uh it was something we grew up with and nowadays I don't think that's quite as common uh No
0: but, you, definitely not and they know? would like to make it less
1: common Yeah and exactly and there's a lot of people that would like to that think guns are ridiculous and nobody should own them, and and my response to that is that's great. I, I think that if you feel that way, uh, that's cool. That's totally cool. And my 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 piece of it's not even advice. My my something for you to consider is if you're that person that someone comes into your home uh, at two o'clock in the morning and means violence to you and your family, you just have to wait ten or fifteen or twenty minutes till the police get there. So, and that's if you're willing to wait a ton of time. <laughs> if you're willing to wait and deal with whatever happens to you and your family in that interim, then that's your decision. I'm, I'm, I support your decision. You know, you, that's cool. Me personally, I know I don't want to wait. I know what violence is like. I've experienced violence. I'm not going to wait ten or fifteen minutes for the police to get to my house. I'm gonna, I'm going to try to do the best I can with what I've got. And so. Um, you know, again, we have these anti-gun people that are like, nobody needs a gun. There's no no need for it. Well, if, if you can guarantee me that there's be no more violence against people, then I would agree with you. And, and I would submit this. If you're so feel so strongly about no guns, let's take guns away from police officers. Why do they need guns? Why does the secret service need guns to protect our politicians? (laughs) And why are they better than you or I? Why, why do they get protection? Are they more important than you and your family? Is, not is the me. president of the United <laughs> States more important to you as a voter than you and your own family? It's not to me. I think, he's, I think they're important. I think they're an important part of our culture and our, our nation. But they're not more important than my wife. They're not more important than my son. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and,
1: uh, and, and the best test would be, hey, look at, look, at, look at the United Kingdom. Look at them taking guns away from the cops over there, and and, and the, the the rise, the steady rise in violence over the last fifteen years in in the United Kingdom, Ste- like literally a climbing rise in violence. Over I believe there. London's the currently the most violent city in the world. I I don't know about the world, but it's it's very very violent, and uh, and the police officers. I mean, look at hey, look at um those stabbings that occurred over on the bridge in i think it was london where the terrorists you know had the, the knives and they put, they were stabbing people the police officers were running away from those guys until armed units got there and used firearms to stop those guys so here's your test gun non-gun people let's take guns away from police if if you feel the world is safe enough for that if you feel your community is safe enough for that take take guns away from police see what happens see how long that lasts yeah (laughs) i'm not going to be testing that out
0: yet (laughs) so quick rundown gear list if you could only have one of each of the following pieces of equipment what one piece would it be and we will start since we were just talking about it
1: shotgun um currently i would say the best shotgun um that that i have experienced and I'm sure there are people that will be disagreeable about this, but the beretta thirteen oh one t the thirteen o one tactical is light it is uh <clears throat> a semi auto shotgun. It comes with all the bells and whistles as far as a large enlarged uh, uh charging handle um ghost ring sights uh it comes with a lot of bells and whistles for a very affordable price, you know. Uh, the shotgun. One of the beauties of the shotgun is its afford- affordability. You take a stock Remington 870, and you can get most of those somewhere for 250, 300 bucks. When I bought mine, I got mine for 198 bucks. This was 15, 12, 18 years ago, something like that, right? That's pretty affordable compared to even a pistol. Uh, but I would say the bread of 1301T or a Remington 870, if you're looking at a slide action or pump gun. Now, nah, a knife. Uh, some type of small fixed blade. I'm not going to get into brands, you know, per se, because there's so many. It's like guns, you know. There, there's so <laughs> many different. Right? We could talk for hours about that. But I believe that some type of small fixed blade is is a good mixture of uh, of everyday utility. Me being able to use that small fixed blade. Knives are for me. Knives are utility items. I, I use them for everything. You know, I'm cutting open this. I'm cutting open that. I'm I'm doing whatever with it, right? I can I can use it if I'm stranded somewhere and I need to try to help me make a fire. I can use it out in the woods. I can use it. A small fixed fl- fixed blade is very universal. I could also use it if if the necessity arose to protect myself with it folding knives are great i love i i'm a collector i'm a knife collector i have a zillion knives but folding knives are broken knives you have to fix them into place yeah. in order for them to work right yeah so if i have to pick any one specific thing will be some type of small fixed blade
0: so you know the other thing about knives are you mentioned you're a collector. Knives are a lot like potato
1: chips, where you can't have just one. No, no, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, you yet. know it, it, it's like uh, it's like my wife with uh, shoes, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Shoes and stuff like that. She's got a closet full of shoes. I've got drawers full of knives. You know, so um, I'm constantly you know buying something new, and and uh, and that's just you know everybody's got their their things, you know. So pistol. Yeah. Uh, I think if I had to pick one and recommend it for me or a family member, it would be a Glock 19. Uh, Glock is world renowned for their the robustness of their firearms. The Glock 19 fits a, a lot of different sized people's hands very, very well. It's a... Uh, it's not a full-size service pistol. It's kind of like that medium range, you know, so it's not a huge honking gun for, to be able to carry around for a smaller person. It's kind of that medium-sized gun, so easy to carry, uh, relatively easy to become proficient to shoot with, with practice and, and good training. Uh, and 9mm, um, you know, again, I'm sure there are people that will disagree with me, but, you know, 9mm, I think, is, a, is the best blend when it comes to different calibers, pistol calibers of, of effectiveness. Uh, being able to carry more rounds in the gun and being more importantly most importantly for 9mm is being able to practice more with it. You know I can, I can buy a thousand rounds 9mm for almost half of what it will cost me to buy a thousand rounds of 45 and despite what everybody says, 45 doesn't stop them and stop them dead every single time. You know, uh, I have seen incidents where people have been shot multiple times with 45s and continued to fight, and I've also seen incidents where people have been shot once with a 45 and continued to fight. So, not so much caliber of the gun as it is the the uh, the, the shooter. And the number one point about being uh, the shooter is being able to hit what you want, where you want, when you want to. And so, if I can practice more than nine millimeter, that Glock 19, and become really, really proficient, I can probably stop somebody pretty quickly with it. Carbine. Ah, uh, geez, again, kind of like the knives. You know, there's a lot of different manufacturers. <laughs> uh, th- uh, this is a bit of a moot point now here in New York State, right? Uh, uh, with the with the advent of the New York Safe Act 2012. Um, so I'm not going to get into brands. I just think that uh, if we're looking at a setting up a carbine for for the uses that you and I are talking about, whether it's a general field carbine, you know, something I'm going to take on a camping trip, a hunting trip, uh, being able to um, shoot in a competition or shoot in a range with my buddies and also protect my home with, I would like uh, something with, with uh, number one, a stock that fits me for my size, my height. Um, some type of good sighting systems to, to include backup iron sights, and then either some type of red dot sight, like a like an Aimpoint T1 or H1, uh, that I can shoot effectively out to you know 200 meters with no problem. Or maybe you even want to put on some type of uh, of um, telescope telescoping optic, you know, a uh, 1x4, something like that. Uh, but I, I think most people can do good work, you know, with uh, one of the the uh, red dots. And then uh, some type of sling on the gun. Uh, So, you know, stock, sights, sling, and a light. You got to have some kind of light on that. that Any of these firearms, uh, I'm not a big fan of carrying lights on a pistol, you know, weapon-mounted pistol lights. Because that creates a bunch of different, and I'm not saying don't do it. But um, I can, you know, I've seen enough problems with it that I think that for the average individual, it's probably more than they can handle and need uh, without a lot of practice and training. Uh, but as far as long guns, shotgun or carbine, you got to have a light on that gun because, um, you know, if if it's dark, uh, one of your responsibility, one of our responsibilities as the good guy, right. Is, uh, being able to identify that we're pointing that gun at the correct person. Yeah. That's that's pretty big, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I know we are running out of time, but uh real quick, you are the creator and inventor of the pocket shield. If you could just I actually have one in my pocket currently, just tell the audience a little bit about that
1: and where they could find it. Yeah, you can find the pocket shield at uh, ravenconcealmentsystems.com. uh systems.com. I think if you if you go to rcsgear.com is their website. And I designed the pocket shield in 2000 Ten or eleven, because uh, I'm not a big fan of of these these pocket folding knife clips, you know, in pockets. You know, number one, uh, there's some environments that people work in and travel through where you know you're you're not supposed to, or you you uh, it's probably not in your best interest for people to know that you've got a knife on you, or or something else. I'm mm-hmm. um, not saying to break the law. I'm just saying that you know uh, I want I don't want people to know what I'm carrying around, right? Um, uh, so I created this, it's, it's basically a, a small piece of, uh, it started mm-hmm. off as kydex, molded kydex. And then we, we came, went to a molded plastic and it contours your thigh. So it goes in, in a front pocket. Some guys carry them in their back, back pockets with pistol magazines on them and other things. It's, it's very universal. It's, it's very modular. You can attach, mm-hmm. we've got guys that are attaching, Pistols to them. Just, pistol just magazines. look up hashtag
0: pocket shield on yeah, Instagram. You yeah. can
1: see about every configuration yeah, under the sun. Yeah, people have really made them. It's become a culture of uh, individuality. You know, people have taken the pocket shield and done all sorts of crazy stuff with it. Uh, but I, for for me, I originally created it for myself because I. I didn't want people to know that I had a pocket knife on me, that I had something on me. Again, I wanted to blend in and and be that guy that someone would look at and not look at twice. Uh, What kind of info can people get from you from seeing that pocket clip? Well, number one, I can tell that you're right-handed or left-handed, usually. Um, And a lot of the guys and girls that carry those clip knives in their pockets also carry what? Firearm. Firearm. So that's some pretty good intel for me to gather if I'm a criminal. Uh, Another thing to think about is um, if I were to attack you and I know you got a knife on you and you might pull that knife out and protect yourself with it, does that give me info as far as being able to attack you effectively? Right? Do I want to attack you from that side or the other side? Do I want to limit your access to that knife? It, try try, to, try, try and take it, try keep you from try, getting it yeah, out. Could I use it for myself? Could I keep you from getting it out? Right? So so by having the knife clipped in on the pocket shield in the pocket, number one, nobody knows I've got it. So I can go different places and be kind of a low pro. Uh, and, and covert, right. Oh, there's, there's a tactical word, covert. Um, or I could, uh, or I could just simply want it because I just, you know, I, I don't want people knowing what I got on me. And it just doesn't, it isn't just for folding knives. Again, we, I carry pistol magazines on a pocket shield, you know, you can attach the, uh, you can attach like a Kydex sheath for a fixed blade to yep. it. I've seen. Yep. And tourniquets, we got a lot of guys carrying medical gear on them, like in a cargo pocket. A lot of the police officers and military guys that use them are carrying full med kits attached to the pocket shields in, their, in one of their pockets, you know. Uh, so it's pretty interesting what the amount of stuff that people can, can uh, add to it. And this is a lot less, I would say,
0: sexy than any of those reasons. And that is the reason I carry it. One of the big reasons is I got out of my dad's Mini Cooper one day and... The little clip scratched the bottom of the leather on his steering wheel. And you better believe I heard about that and am continuing to still hear about that. Yeah. But now, with the pocket shield, no worries. I can quickly exit that knife and the knife's in my pocket, not in the bottom, under some keys, under some other junk. It's there. I have a flashlight. I carry both, you know, pretty often just out of utility because, you know, you always find yourself in some dark space looking for something or need to cut something open. So it's...
1: It, you know, it's kind of one of those EDC, you know, gear guy things. Not everybody needs one, but it's it's really interesting. The number of people that they look at it and they go, "What do I need that for?" and and then they they're given one or they buy one for twenty bucks, twenty five bucks. They try it out, and then next thing you know, they've got four more set up with different things like I I know dudes who've bought like four or five of them and they have different setups for different days carrying different gear I'm wearing a suit today so I want this I'm wearing you know I'm going out the woods today I got this on I'm I'm working I'm on duty I'm carrying this and so it's affordable enough that people can kind of yeah I think you just sold me on needing four more setups. yeah 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 yeah. so it's 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 kind of a fun little thing and, and I've seen great benefits to me we we did a beta test with uh, 13 different guys uh, a lot of them military federal law enforcement uh, law enforcement from around the country that are all friends of mine and uh, got some really really cool feedback from those guys as far as the utility of the pocket shield for those specific jobs and what they're doing undercover work and and stuff and so um, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of friends that have, have found it to be very beneficial and if I could help one person with it then hey it was great
0: Well, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I think a lot of people are going to find this really interesting and really informative. Now, if they want to learn more about you, maybe sign up for one of your courses, because I know you're all over the country with them.
1: Where can they go? Uh, The easiest way is just go to uh, www.mdtstraining.com, and that's my website, and go to the course schedule page, and you can see our list of classes that are coming up, uh, usually uh, we have at least, you know, three, four months worth of classes on there. I try to get my schedule formulated in November, by the end of November for the next year. So hopefully by the end of November, we'll have the majority of 2018 schedule up. But uh, we're going to be in California next year. Uh, we're going to Minnesota here coming up uh, in December, um, you know, uh, all over the place. So uh, all across New York State from Long Island out to Buffalo, uh, up to Plattsburgh, you know. So if you uh, if you're interested, check it out. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram, MDTS underscore training, and then our Facebook page. We post a lot of stuff on the Instagram and Facebook page. That is, uh, it's not just pics and cool guy gear and stuff like that. We try to provide some some knowledge. You know, um, I'm constantly studying as a student. I'm constantly studying stuff, so I express that through my social media. It's it's again, it's not about me. It's about about you and me trying to learn as much as we can. So um, we see that in social media. But that Facebook page is MDTS training, Facebook slash MDTS training. Check it out.
0: So check that out. And for the Adventurous Gentleman podcast, live life with vigor and protect that ass.